If you'll open your Bibles, please, to the book of Colossians, chapter number 2. In just a moment, I want us to look at a couple of my favorite verses in the Bible. And for those of you who are joining us at home today, I want to welcome you to this service. And I encourage you to take your Bible, open it up, and follow along this morning. We're going to be looking at a lot of different scriptures together. And so whether you're here or whether you're at home, uh, we can still study the Bible together. I want to begin today by telling you uh, one of the most embarrassing moments that I've ever had in all my life. Several years ago, I was exercising one night at 24-Hour Fitness up here on on Fairmont, and on this particular night, I was exercising my biceps, and so I was doing a lot of curls. And towards the end of my workout, I was doing straight bar curls, and and so I had done maybe three or four or five sets, and and I got finished, and I went to put the, the bar back on the rack, and I noticed that there was a lady standing there at the rack, and she was kind of looking at the different weights. I could tell she was trying to figure out which bar she was going to get. And so I looked at her, trying to be a good gentleman, right? And I, I, I said to her, I said, is this the one you're looking for? Knowing that there's no way she could lift something as heavy as I was lifting, right? And she said, no, no, that's not the one. And so I, I put it down and I stepped back a little bit. And then she bent down and picked up a weight much heavier than the one I had. And she said, I was looking for this one. <laughs> And when she said that, you know, inside of every man, there's a little boy. And the little boy inside of me said, a girl is stronger than I am. (laughs) And I just began to think as this was all unfolding, I thought, you know what? I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Now, what is true physically is oftentimes true spiritually. We're not always as strong spiritually as we think we are, and we need to be built up in our faith. Now, we've set aside three Sunday mornings to think about the purposes of the church, and we're going to have those on the screen kind of as a review of what we began last week. We talked last week about purpose number one, which is that the church is here to lift up Jesus. The second purpose of the church is that we are here to build up believers, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And then next week, we're going to be thinking about the fact that we are here to reach out to others. And so there you have it, lift up Jesus, build up believers, and reach out to others. Let's say that together, can we? Let's go. Lift up Jesus. And so today, we're thinking about building ourselves up and getting stronger in the faith. In other words, when you come to church every Sunday... And before you leave the house, if the question should run through your mind, well, why am I doing this? Why, why am I going to church today? Well, first of all, you're coming to church to lift up Jesus, but also you are coming to church to be built up. In other words, this should be a good experience for you. When you leave here at the end of a service on Sunday, you should be able to say, I feel stronger in my faith. I feel like that has built me up in my relationship with God. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, let's look down in verses uh, number 6 and 7. Because Paul says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now, verse 7, rooted and built up in him. And so this Second purpose comes right out of the scriptures, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And so Paul says, the way you got saved is the way that you're to continue in your Christian life. How did you get saved? You got saved 
By trusting Jesus. So how do we continue? By trusting Jesus. And as we continue to trust him, not just for the forgiveness of our sins, not just for our salvation, but for everything we face in life, we are rooted in him and we are built up in our faith like an oak tree. As the roots grow deeper, the tree grows taller and stronger, and that's how it's supposed to be for us. Now, look down in chapter number 1 at the very end of verse number 27. This is one of my favorite uh, phrases in all of the New Testament. Listen to what Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, for those of us who are saved, Jesus Christ is living on the inside of us, and yet it is our responsibility to develop our relationship with Him, to grow in our walk with Him, and to be strengthened in our faith. Now, turn back a few pages to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4, because you say, John, what is the purpose of my being built up in my faith? Well, first of all, it's so that you can be closer to God, and so that you can have more peace and joy in your life, but also it is so that you can serve other people. That's what God wants us to do. In Ephesians 4, in verse number 11, it says, And he himself, that is God himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now watch this. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, literally, the building up of the body of Christ. And so, it is our job as the children of God to serve other people, to minister. In other words, one of the things that we do, not only to build ourselves up, but to build others up, is to find our ministry within the body of Christ, whether that's teaching a connection group or a Sunday school class, whether that's singing in the choir, whether that's being an usher or a greeter or a thousand other things you could do here at First Baptist. It is to find your ministry within the church And then it is to build up the body of Christ by doing that. Now, having said that, I'm just kind of trying to lay the foundation for where we're going today because what I'm really wanting you to see before we go any further is this, that it is true that God wants you to have some ministry for Him. Whatever that might be, God wants you to serve Him in some way. But what you do for God flows out of who you are with God. In other words, what you do is not as important as who you are. And if who you are, if you're not right with God and filled with God, think of it this way. If you are empty on the inside, if I'm empty, spiritually speaking, I stand up here today for 30 minutes standing to to teach the Bible to you. If I'm spiritually empty, well, I don't have anything to give you. But if I'm spiritually full, then I can stand up here for 30 minutes And not only teach the Bible, but out of the overflow of what is happening in my own life, then it just kind of comes out of me. But if I'm empty, I don't have any overflow. I don't have anything there at all. If you're spiritually weak, then you're going to be limited in how effectively you can serve others. But if you're full of the Spirit, if you're strong in the Lord, it is out of that overflow then that you can minister to and serve other people and be a blessing to them. So God wants us to be built up not just so we can walk around and say, look how strong my faith is. Look how, <laughs> look how mature I am. No, God wants us to be built up so that out of the overflow of that, 
Now we can encourage others. Now we can minister to others. And it's not always something that happens at the church house, in the church building. Maybe something that happens at your work. Maybe something that happens in your neighborhood or with your friends. Here's somebody who's struggling. Here's somebody who's grieving. Here's somebody who's not saved. And they're not in a church building. They're out there in what we would call the real world. And yet God wants to use you to be a blessing to them, to encourage them in some way, to lead them to the Lord, whatever it might be. But in order for that to happen, you have got to be strong in your own faith. Your heart has got to be filled with the Spirit of God, and it's out of that overflow that you can serve others. I want to say this again. What you do flows out of who you are, and who you are is even more important than what you do. Now, let's turn back to the book of Joshua. Did I already say that? Did I already get mentioned Joshua? Let's turn back to the book of Joshua, because I think we have maybe the best example in all of the Bible about a person who had a responsibility from God to do something. God had called Joshua to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. That was his job. And yet God knew that in order for him to effectively do that, that it was imperative that Joshua be filled with the Spirit, that Joshua be built up in his faith, that who Joshua was was as strong as it could possibly be. And so as I think about Joshua, as I think about you and I think about me, I want to mention four areas this morning where each of us need to be built up in our relationship with God, in our spiritual lives. We need to be strengthened in these areas. So if you'd like to just jot this down or just follow along. First of all, we need to be strengthened in our awareness of God's presence. Our awareness of God's presence. Now, look down in verse number 9 of Joshua chapter 1, and notice what God said. God's speaking to Joshua, and he says, "'Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage?' Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. And so God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, here's what you need to understand. I've called you to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River and into the promised land. But your effectiveness as their leader, your effectiveness as my servant, Your effectiveness in ministering to the lives of these other people is dependent upon your own spiritual well-being, and your spiritual health and strength begins by your having an awareness of my presence. As I was thinking this past week, and actually even apart from this sermon, for the last several months, I've been thinking about my own life, and I've been thinking about What is the most important thing in my life? What is the greatest need in my life? In other words, 10 years ago, if somebody would have come up and said to me, John, what's the greatest need in your life? What can I pray for you? I think 10 years ago, I probably would have said, I think the greatest need in my life is wisdom because I want to make good decisions and know what God, and it's still, that's still a very important thing in in all of our lives. But I think today, if somebody came up to me and said, John, what is the most important thing in your life? What is the one thing that I could pray for you that you need the most? I think it would be this right here, an awareness of God's presence. And I don't think that's just for me. I think that's for you, and I think that is for all of us to be aware. Think about this. If we have an awareness of God's presence, What's the first thing that would happen? Well, it would cure loneliness. Because if you know that God is with you, you're never going to be lonely. I'll tell you something else it would do. If you had an awareness of God's presence, I mean a strong, heavy, continuous awareness of the presence of God in your life, it would remove all fear. 
How could you be afraid if you knew that God was with you? In other words, if you and I today, when we leave this service, could look to our left or look to our right, and we could see the person of Jesus Christ, if he was with us in the flesh, what in the, what in the world would we be afraid of? We wouldn't be afraid of anything. And yet, just because we can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. In fact, Jesus is closer than us than he, to us than he would be if he were to our left or our right. He is in our hearts. What did it say? Paul said in Colossians 1, Christ in you the hope of glory. Yes, he is with us, but he is also in us. And so if we had that awareness of God's presence, loneliness, gone. Fear, gone. And not only that, if we had an awareness of God's presence, imagine what that would do for our self-esteem. I mean, to think that of all the people in the world, God has chosen to live his life with me. And not only with me, but he's chosen to live his life in me. And so that's what God is saying to Joshua. He's saying, Joshua, you've got a major assignment. I'm asking you to lead these people into the promised land, but you need to understand, first of all, that I am with you. Now, look again at that ninth verse. Notice what it says. Have I not commanded you? You know, when we think about the commandments of God, we think about don't commit adultery, don't, you know, all these things we're not supposed to do. Well, here's a commandment that's a little bit different. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? In other words, God says, it is just as important to me that you be strong and courageous and full of faith as it is that you be pure and holy and godly. Yes, the purity, that's always important, but so is this. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. God is commanding us not to be afraid. It is a sin for us to fear, nor be dismayed. For the, why God, how, how, how am I supposed to go through this life? We would say this to God. God, there's a pandemic. Some of you would say, I've lost my job. Others of you would say here today, God, my health, it, 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 it seems like things are falling apart. But here's the verse, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. God, how, do you, how can I possibly live like that? Here's the way, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so I'm saying to you today, the first thing that you need in your life, you're going to be built up in your faith so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. You must live, and so must I, with an awareness of God's presence. Now, if I've made that clear, say amen. You agree with that? Say amen. It's important to have that awareness of God's presence. What else, what's the second thing we need? We're going to be built up. Well, we need not only an awareness of God's presence, we need faith in God's plan. Faith in God's plan. Now, look back in verse number five, because God is speaking to Joshua, and, and he's encouraging Joshua with what he's called him to do. And he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So God's getting back to this fact that his presence will continually be with Joshua, just like his presence is continually with us. But notice what he said at the first of the verse. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You see, Joshua had been with Moses all those years in the wilderness. Moses trying to lead the people. He led them out of Egypt. He, he wanted to lead them into the promised land. Moses didn't make it because during those 40 years, Moses had people that turned against him. He had people that, uh, that complained. He had people who they blamed Moses for the fact that they were out there in the middle of the wilderness. 
and Moses ended up dying before they got to the promised land. But Joshua, all those years, had been Moses' assistant. And he had seen all the challenges that Moses has had. And he had seen people try to destroy Moses' life. He had seen all this. And so naturally now, as he becomes the leader, he's thinking, well, if they did that to Moses, what are they going to do to me? And so God spoke to Joshua, and he gave him a promise. He said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, What was God saying? God was saying, Joshua, I have a plan. In fact, look back at the first of the chapter. We'll see what the plan is. Look in verse 1. God said, the scripture says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I have given to Moses. And so, or as I said to Moses, and so God is saying, Joshua, that's the the assignment. You lead the people into the promised land. And then God makes this promise No man should be able to stand against you. Nobody's going to stop you from doing what I've called you to do. Now, I want to put a verse on the screen that I think is one of the best verses in the Bible out of the book of Job. And you know what Job had been through and all the losses and heartache and pain that he had experienced. But at the very end of that story, and it's a true story, but at the very end of it, Job said these words to God. Job chapter 42 and verse 2, I think we have that. And this is in the New American Standard. Notice what he says. He says, God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. And I love how the New American Standard brings it out. I know that you can do all things. Now, we all know God can do all things. But notice the next part of that. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That is... No, nobody, no thing, nothing can thwart or undo or reverse or stop the purposes of God. Nobody can do that. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Now, there's another verse. We're not going to put the verse on the screen. But in Romans chapter 8 and in verse number 31, listen to what Paul said. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's say that together. If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, the fact is, there are a lot of people who can't, a lot of things can be against us. But what Paul is saying is, if God is for us, who can ultimately succeed against us? Who can, who can have victory against us? Think about this. In your life today, what, what is, what's stronger? The God who is for you or the circumstance that has turned against you? Well, obviously, God is stronger than the circumstance. What in your life, what is stronger? The God who is for you or the person who has turned against you? Well, obviously, God is stronger than any person. In your life, what is stronger? The God who is for you or the devil who's always against all of us? Well, obviously, God is stronger than the devil. And so that's why Job said, God, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And that's why God said to Joshua, he said, Joshua, you've got a big assignment. It is now your job to lead these people across that Jordan River into the promised land. Moses led them out of Egypt and across the Red Sea. It's your job to lead them through the Jordan River and into the promised land. And you need to understand this, that no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What was God saying? God was saying, Joshua, if you're going to be an effective leader, 
If you're going to be a blessing in the lives of all these people, it is imperative that you understand that I have a plan for your life and that my plan cannot fail. My plan cannot be thwarted. No person, no circumstance, not even the devil himself can stop or block what I'm going to do in and through your life. And it is imperative that you believe that. And friend, what I'm saying to you today is what God said to Joshua is just as true for you and it's just as true for me. God has a plan for our life. God has a plan for your life. And God is saying to you today that just like I was with Moses, just like I was with Joshua, just like I was with Job, God is saying to you and to me today, I am with you. And my plan for your life will be fulfilled and it will be accomplished. And as we go through things in life that at the very least are setbacks and at the very worst are devastating blows, we have to keep in mind that God's good plan will come to pass. But in our hearts, we have to believe that, God. You've called me to do this. God, you've given me a responsibility to encourage my neighbor. You've given me a responsibility to, to witness and to share Christ with my coworker or whatever it is. God, for me, God, to this morning, you've given me a responsibility to stand up in front of the people at First Baptist and preach, preach a sermon. But God, as I go out there, the most important thing is not the sermon. The most important thing is not these 30 minutes that we're spending together. The most important thing is what's in my heart. The most important thing this morning to God is not what's coming out of my mouth. The most important thing is what's in my heart. And when God looks at my heart, if God sees in my heart a faith that says, God, I believe today as I do the small thing that you've given me to do today, as I stand before the people and preach the gospel, I believe that you are with me. And I believe that your plan cannot fail. And so God, today when I stand before the people. I don't stand up there cowardly. I don't stand up there nervous and afraid. God, I stand up there strong, not in my strength, but in the power of the Lord. Why? Because I'm rooted and built up in Christ. I'm established in the faith. I believe that you're with me today and that your plan cannot be thwarted in my life. Friend, I'm saying it's true for me and it's true for you. Whatever it is you're facing or whatever it is you're going through or whatever it is that you've been through in the past, you have to know that God's good plan for your life cannot fail. No man, no woman, no person, no circumstance, not even the devil himself can stop God from doing what he wants to do in and through your life. You've got to have faith in that. Whatever happens, you've got to say, God's got a plan. I don't understand it. Doesn't make sense to me. I can't understand why God would be allowing me to go through what I'm going through right now. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have written it out this way. But God knows what he's doing. I make a decision to trust him. And as I trust him, I'm moving forward by faith. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. The same God who divided the Red Sea, the same God who dried up the Jordan River, the same God who made it possible for Moses to move forward, Joshua to move forward, and Job to go on in his life. That God is not only with me, he is in me. And he says, if I will trust him, he will open doors for me that no man can close. So I'm telling you, that, that's what I'm saying. We have to be built up in our awareness of God's presence. We have to be built up in our faith in God's plan. And number three, we have to be built up in our love for God's Word. In our love for God's Word. Now, verse number eight of Joshua 1 is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And I hope you have it marked in your Bible. And if not, you can mark it now. Notice what God says to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Notice what he says, this book of the law. 
shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. What was God saying to Joshua? God saying, Joshua, here's the secret. I've called you to lead these people across the Jordan River into the promised land. But remember this, Joshua, the secret is that your heart be full of faith. Faith in my presence, faith in my plan, but not only faith, that your heart would be full of love for my word. Let me give you a couple of scripture verses. You just jot these down. I'll read it to you. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, Peter says, as newborn babes, listen to this, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Talking about the Bible. The Bible is how we grow in our faith. Let me give you another one. Psalm 119, 97. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I'm reading through the Psalms right now, and I've come to Psalm 119. And if you're familiar with that Psalm, you know that you shouldn't read it all at one time, right? Because it's a lot of verses. It's 176 verses in that Psalm. And so I'm taking four days to read through this Psalm. And whether I do it this afternoon or tomorrow, I'm picking up on the 97th verse whenever I get back in Psalm 119. And listen to Psalm 119, 97. The psalmist said this, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And so the psalmist said, I love, I love the Bible. Peter said, you need to love the Bible. Think about something. Your Bible is your most valuable earthly possession. Now, you may never have thought of it like that. But I'm telling you, the most important thing you own is this book right here. It is more valuable than your house. Now, it may not be more expensive than your house, but it's more valuable than your house. And the reason is because the Bible can change your life. The house gives you somewhere to sleep and protects you when it rains. I mean, we all thank God for our houses, but your, I'm telling you, your Bible is more important than your house. And as I think about the Bible, you know, I wish I just had endless time when I stand up here and, and do one of these sermons, but I, I was thinking last night in my own life, the time that I spend in my Bible each day is more important than the time I spend standing up here talking to you from the Bible. You know, this Bible that I preach from, I've had it for many, many years, and I love this Bible. I've got it marked up. I know where verses are in this Bible. I know if it's on the left column, the right column, the top of the page, the bottom of the page. I love this Bible. But a strange thing happened a few years ago, and I can't explain it. But some, for some mysterious reason, the font in this Bible started to shrink. And it got smaller, and I said, I don't know what's happening to my Bible. I, I don't know if the ink, I don't know if I bought a cheap Bible, I don't know what's happening. And so I went, and I've got another Bible at home. In fact, two, I've got a lot of Bibles, but I bought two even more recently that have a little bit bigger font, 11-point font. And so I don't, I, for years, this was not only my preaching Bible, this was my quiet time Bible. Well, now it's my preaching Bible, but it's not my quiet time Bible. I have other Bibles at home, that I, and I nearly brought them today just to show them to you. And I thought, well... I don't know what that would demonstrate by bringing those. But at least last night before I went to bed, I was thinking about this sermon. I was thinking about this point, And I was thinking about the Bible. In fact, before I went to bed last night, I just took my, one of the Bibles that I'm reading from at home for my quiet time. And I just went back to that 119th Psalm. And I said, God, I have been reading through the 119th Psalm. I'm halfway done with it. And I just took a few minutes last night and started reading through some of those verses that I have read through, and I was so blessed. And, and I just want to say to you today that whether you read your Bible in the morning, whether you read your Bible at night, 
whether you read your Bible in the middle of the day or however you do it, I cannot stress to you enough that if you have in your heart a love for the Word of God. You know, I sat down the other night, this has been about a month ago, and I said, I'm going to just read the Sermon on the Mount. And I did. It didn't take 10, 15 minutes to read it. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the verse that I went to bed with that night was, or the passage was where Jesus said, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And I wasn't even worried about anything, but I read that and it spoke to me. I got in bed and I just was turning that over. Do not worry, do not worry. Two days later, I found myself in a situation where I could have gotten worried. And as soon as a thought of worry came into my mind, God brought that back to me. Remember what you read, John, the Sermon on the Mount. Remember what Jesus said, do not worry. And so I'm saying what we need is not only a strong faith in God, but we need a love for the Word of God. The most, I can't stress this strongly enough, the most important material possession you have is the Bible. And the most important thing you do every day is to open it up. And don't try to read 10 chapters. You know, don't try to read it for two hours. Maybe just read a a verse or a chapter or a small section. But read it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Apply it to your life. I'm telling you, it's the most important thing you could do every day. And God said to Joshua, Joshua, I've given you a big assignment. But your success in that assignment is going to be dependent upon your love for my word. And he said, I want you to meditate in it day and night. You, you keep your heart and your mind in my word. And if you'll do that, you're going to lead the people out of the overflow of what I'm doing in your life. And then one more, thing, one more thought this morning I'll just share with you. And that is if we're going to be built up, not only do we need to have a strong awareness of God's presence, absolute confidence in God's plan, a deep and abiding love for God's word. But you know what? We need a love for people. A love for people. Now go back. One of the verses in Joshua chapter 1. Look again at verse number 2. Because God said to uh, Joshua, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan. You, now watch this, you and all this people. It's not just you, Joshua. It's all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, to the children of Israel. It's interesting. As God was revealing his plan to Joshua, he didn't say, Joshua, I love you, you love me, we're close, you trust me, you you love my word, what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead you into the promised land. He said that, but he said more than that. He said, I'm going to lead you and all these people into the promised land. So as I think about that, we need a love for God's people. That's called fellowship. And so one of the purposes of the church is, it is, as we think about building up believers, one of the ways that happens is as we fellowship and as we interact with one another. We are built up in our faith. You, you know, when you invite somebody, for example, to come to church with you on Sunday, you never know what might happen. There was a man who invited another man to come to one of our services in the summer of 2010. Now, that's been a long time ago. That's been 10 years ago. man's name was Gary Becton. And so Gary came to services and heard the sermon. The invitation was given, and Gary came forward, and he got saved. He was 45 years old when he got saved. And for the last 10 years, he's been a very faithful member of our church. He went on to get baptized, and he's been a real blessing and been a good friend to me. The first Sunday of September, we were just getting started back you know, the second time coming back having services here. 
Gary came to church the first Sunday of September. His brother Scott came with him. They said, why don't we go up First Baptist Day and, and go to church? We hadn't been to church in a while. They came to church and enjoyed the, enjoyed the morning. About two days after that, Gary died. Suddenly, unexpectedly, in his sleep, he died. 55 years old. And so three weeks ago yesterday, we had his funeral right here on a Saturday morning. And I stood right here, and I reminded the family that Gary had been saved 10 years ago. And I, remind, and I said this to the family. I said, you know, Gary made a decision in 2010 that sure has paid off for him big time in 2020. Because he made a decision in 2010 to give his heart to Jesus Christ. And not only did it change the next 10 years of his life on earth, but I said, think about the difference it's making in his life right now. He's in heaven instead of being in hell. And I, I still, I, call, I talked to his brother on the phone yesterday, Scott. I said, Scott, were you the one who invited Gary to come to church on that particular Sunday? He said, no, that wasn't me. He said, that may have been one of his friends named Rodney, or he said, it may have been Another, he said, I'm really not sure who invited him to come to church on that day. He said, but I sure am glad that he did because now I know beyond a shadow of any doubt that my brother is alive in heaven with God. And so as I think about that, you see, God said to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to lead these people into the promised land. It's not just you going into the promised land. It's you, but it's also all these people. And as I think about us being built up in our faith, it's not just about us ending up in heaven one day because of our faith in Jesus. It's about us doing everything we can to lead as many people as we possibly can to spend eternity in heaven with God. Amen. And so with our head bowed and eyes closed today, let me, let me ask this before we get into the salvation part. As we think this morning about being built up in our faith, building up believers, do you have an awareness of God's presence constantly? If not, ask for that. Do you have total confidence in God's plan? A love for God's word and a love for God's people. In other words, it's not just about you going to heaven. It's about you taking as many people as you can with you. Do you have that? If not, just say, God, build me up. Maybe one of those areas spoke to you today. God, build me up. Build me up, God, in my faith so that, so that what I do for you or what I try to do for you can, can flow out of who I am. Because, God, who I am is really more important than what I do. And if I'm not full of faith and if I'm not full of love, I'm not going to be able to do very much at all. Others here today, you need to be saved. I don't think we've had a single service since we have come back from this pandemic where somebody's not been saved. I don't think we've had a single service. And so today, if you're maybe like Gary was 10 years ago, you're just not sure where you stand with God. You believe in God. You love God. But you don't have the peace in your heart that you've ever been saved. You're not sure that you're bound for the promised land. Would you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I need you now to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me a Christian. Save my soul. And God, as I ask you to save me, 
I trust you to do it. With all of my heart, Jesus, I trust you to save.